Welcome to K Out and About, the podcast about my random travel occurrences. This is episode 7, The Life in Costa Rica, part 3, Pura Vida. So, last practical thing to know about the Ticos is their language. If you think you speak Spanish and it will help you in Costa Rica, mm, you might want to think again. Uh, the language a lot of people use, especially the young ones, um, it's called patuco. It, I mean, it's a sort of a slang, and it, it, almost everybody uses it. Uh, maybe not elderly, but yeah, most most of the people. I remember my friend um, Laura coming over from Spain for a visit um, towards the end of my stay, and suddenly my friend Alex felt offended by something she said, and we got into the whole differences between you know, Spanish Castellano and then the rest of the Spanish-speaking world. And still, years after I came back from Costa Rica, she would laugh at me and some of the words I used, um, a bit of my accent as well, which I lost now, but um, I used to say plata for money or carro for a car, referee for a refrigerator or paño for a towel, which uh, in Spain sounds weird. <laughs> I can tell you that. <laughs> In your everyday patuco spoken in Chepe, which is San Jose, there were some words you could not escape from. Starting with my. It simply means uh, anybody. Friend, buddy, acquaintances, uh, people you're talking to at the moment, etc. It is also used as a comma, every fourth or fifth word. Um, and the first thing uh, a tico might say to you uh, as a greeting is often, ¿Qué me dice my? It's a sort of like a, what's up, man? Another trademark phrase for Costa Rica is the one I used in the title for this episode, Pura Vida. You will find it everywhere on t-shirts, souvenirs, all the ads and guides and shoes and necklaces. I mean, everything. It means anything and everything that's positive. Somebody asks you how you are, the answer can be Pura Vida. Instead of a thank you, you will get Pura Vida. If someone is cool, a good friend, a buddy, they are Pura Vida. How was the beach? Pura Vida. How was your class? Pura Vida. How was your lunch? Pura Vida. In other words, the whole Costa Rica is Pura Vida. Another word of similar meaning, uh, but definitely less commercialized, is Twanis. Um, no clue how to spell it, actually. Um, and with those few words, you could already have your first Costa Rican conversation. Like, it could go something like, Ay, mai, que tuanis? Ah, si, mai, pura vida. Any place, any situation, any topic, really. Um, a word that I really, um, I still giggle uh, when I hear it, um, but I really liked it, is uh, tunche. And the translation is quite easy because tunche is everything that we forgot what it's called. So in English, the equivalent would be a thing, a thingy, or thing in majigi. Um, you may have noticed I have referred to people from Costa Rica as ticos. Well, everything Costa Rican is either tico or tica. So a girl from Costa Rica is a tica, beer produced in Costa Rica is cerveza tica, imperial in my case, my favorite. Um, where, where, where did it come from? Well, 
the explanation that I got, uh, which I don't know how far from truth it is, was that they like using specific diminutives, and that is actually true. So instead of the normal, normally used diminutive in Castellano, which is um, chiquito, they will say chiquitico. Instead of um, un ratito, they will say un ratico, uh, un momentico, and etc. So the, the ending tico or tica are added to a lot of adjectives. Very confusing differentiation for me was between ahora and ahorita. Both mean now. One of them is more now than the other. But neither of them actually mean that something is happening now. So if you ask someone, can you wash the dishes? And they'll say, ahora. It means probably it will happen soon. If they say, ahorita, well, potentially, maybe in a minute. Or at least so I think. Um, it's still quite foggy. I, I never really got um, the hang of that, of, of those two. Almost a separate topic is swearing in Costa Rica. I don't remember all of the swear words I have learned. Plus, we wouldn't have had the time to go through all of them here. Anyway, um, I, at one of my first parties, the, guy actually, the guys actually sat down and uh, gave me an example of uh, sort of a swear word, let's say, uh, for each letter of alphabet. Yes. Um, but uh, a very common curse in Spanish is hijo de puta. So in Costa Rica, of course, they made it kind of their own and they pronounce it slightly different. So it's more like hueputa. My personal favorite, um, I don't know, though, if I learned it in Costa Rica or if it was, I don't know, maybe from some movies I've seen or from later travels. I, I don't know, but I still use it when I really need to make a point. And I don't really necessarily want people around me to know that I'm sort of swearing. So it goes, hijo de puta y la madre que lo parió, uh, which of course I can't do that kind of swear in Spain too much because they will understand. So the rough translation is the son of a bitch and the mother who bore him. So there you go. Something, you know, you can use next time you're annoyed. Speaking of annoyed, <sighs> for the timekeeper as I am, the idea of oratica, so the Costa Rican time or the Costa Rican hour, was a nightmare. Fucking oratica. Very often, I know instinctively, without even having to check the watch, what time it is during the day. I like being on time, and what I mean by that is actually I like being early, because on time is five minutes too late. So imagine my frustration of constantly having to wait everywhere for everyone. If they were um, an hour late, that was actually quite good. Of course, it was mainly, you know, for parties or going out. But even the public transport couldn't be counted on. Like 15, 30 minutes um, delays, that's just a norm. Uh, I guess for work it was slightly better. Uh, so <laughs> when my birthday party came, I told everybody it would start at 6. I, myself, arrived at seven, started getting things ready for the people to actually start arriving, you know, way after eight. So towards the end, I did master the oratica, but yeah, the anxiety state, I can tell you that. <laughs> I was still nervous about it. Speaking of time, 
it is time to tell you what I was actually doing in Costa Rica all those months. Well, the first thing, of course, was, you know, just to chill. I took a year off university, a whole year, mainly because I thought, well, I had one in a million chances to visit an exotic country. I won't be going for three weeks, right? So I made sure I had a, a year off. Other than that, um, I found myself a few dance courses. At the time, not many people know that about me, I did have a moment that I believed I could do something with my dancing, professionally. So I joined a modern dance class at the university. And no, by the way, nobody fucking cared if I spoke the language or not. This is my frustration talking as I'm trying to prove to the Swedish university system that I speak English to no avail. Well, um, I also joined some uh, jazz dance classes, Afro-Caribeño and whatever was available really at some private dancing schools. Uh, my friend Randy also uh, found an amateur dance theater called Metamorphosis that I could join in. It was actually run by professional uh, dancers, so movement was a lot more important than whatever acting. Her name was Saul, and thanks to her, I also learned a bit of breakdance, some basic capoeira, um, aerial dance. Um, it's, um, it's the one with like two pieces of fabric hanging from the ceiling, and then you kind of go up and down. Uh, it looks amazing. People who know what I'm talking about, it, they know. And I also got to perform in the National Theatre in San Jose as Timidesa, Shyness. Although we were kind of like half naked, actually, so Shyness had, had nothing to do with it. Uh, unfortunately, that was also the time when I learned the painful way that my dancing career was never going to happen. My friends already know what I'm about to say. I basically fucked up my back. Um, on one hand, I totally overdid it. I had dance classes six days a week, minimum of three hours. Sometimes I even had six hours in one day. So my body said no. On the other hand, let's face it, I started a bit late. I was already over 20. I had no basic training when I was younger. You know, I probably should have started when I was eight. Um, I only knew like just what we did in the dance theater back home, which was more sort of movement rather than any professional dance whatsoever. So yes, no wonder that my body refused to cooperate um, and I had to stop. Uh, meaning that I had shitloads of time on my hands and I was slowly running out of money as well. So I started looking for a job. Hmm. One of my flatmates quickly told me, that I shouldn't be searching um, for a job as a hostess. Because it seemed to me like, you know, something easy to do. I could, you know, work a few days a week. Well, apparently if the job title is the hostess, and I think it also depends where it is, so it would be different, you know, between restaurants and maybe a casino or a hotel. But um, the job title hostess could also include the meaning of uh, prostitute. So yeah, I stopped replying to those ads. Um, what else was there? <laughs> well, I did go for an interview at an online casino. That was oh, that was hilarious. Um, I don't think I was neither exotic enough or my smile wasn't inviting or provoking enough. Basically, I was just useless. <laughs> 
Um, maybe better, actually. <laughs> well, the job that I found in the end was as an OPC for a tourist company. Now, don't I don't remember anymore what OPC stand for. Something, person, contact, whatever. Well, so a tourist company, yes, or so I thought. Um, that was the first time I heard about Timeshare. Yes, you heard right, Timeshare. For those of you who don't know what it is, I'll explain in a second. Uh, my job was basically to um, chat to un, you know, unsuspecting tourists and invite them for a talk about tourism in Costa Rica at one of the hotels. If they went, they would get a bottle of rum or a um, massage in a spa or whatever vouchers for a gift shop. What I found out later was that the tourism talk was actually a timeshare sales pitch. So, yeah, what is timeshare? Um, well, the idea in itself is not bad at all, provided everything is above board. So, let's say Marriott, um, they have been selling timeshare for decades successfully because they don't mess around with people. So, how does it work? Uh, what, what's the idea of timeshare? So, basically, once a resort uh, is built, the developer or the owner will sell unit by unit, week by week. So you can become an owner of, let's say, unit uh, 301 during week 46. It means it's yours to use for that week every single year for, I don't know, it could be 25 years, it could be 30, it could be sort of an ongoing lease for like 99 years. Of course, there would be a management company taking care of the building, you know, the, the upkeep, the housekeeping and, and so on. Um, so you have to pay an annual fee to make sure it's uh, maintained. I think it's actually called maintenance fee. Now, all in all, a practical idea for some rich people who like to go to the same place at the same time every year and, you know, not to worry about the details. However, in the States, before proper legislation was introduced, some dodgy developers have been ripping off people who can hardly afford it. They were telling them, oh, yeah, you'll be saving money. No, the timeshare is not for saving money. So those people, they could hardly afford it. And sometimes they were selling them places that didn't even exist. So timeshare, it, it already, I mean, it probably still has a really bad rep among tourists. And I became part of that sales pitch uh, for $5 per head that went into the room. Well, of course, I was working illegally, sort of, but I have a suspicion that so was the company I worked for. I honestly don't know what exactly they were selling. I never saw the place or the pictures of it. Um, I don't know, maybe it hasn't, built, it hasn't been built yet. And I sincerely hope nobody got seriously duped by them. Um, they were called Tico Marketing. And all I got out of it was a lousy t-shirt, a yellow one, which I think I still have um, somewhere. Unfortunately, all good things come to an end. And so has obviously the job and my money and my time in Costa Rica. The last two months, I, I was eating cooked rice with sugar and grated carrots, uh, accompanied by a bit of bread with honey, sometimes cream cheese, every single day. And uh, towards the end, uh, so Laura and Belinda, I already mentioned Laura, Laura and Belinda came over for a visit the last few weeks that I was there. And when one of them was leaving, I found out that you need to pay $25 at the airport to leave the country. Are you shitting me? $25? That, that was so much more than I had. 
Um, luckily, my friend Belinda helped me out with that. Uh, I owed her money actually quite a few times in my in my life. That is uh, pretty much it for Costa Rica. Well, I mean, not really, but there are plenty more stories I could uh, tell you. Um, I, like, I don't know, going to concerts or, you know, the type of music they were, they were listening or, or other things. But I think that's enough of Costa Rica uh, for now for this uh, for this podcast. We were talking, you know, moving abroad, living abroad and the cultural shocks. Well, the next episode will come to you in 2019 and it will be titled, I actually hope it will be titled, uh, The Three Out of Five, because... Um, I'm going to be having an interview, so fingers crossed it all goes well. Thank you very much for listening. Um, have fun, because it's actually today when I'm recording it, the 31st of December. And uh, until next year.